Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. All right, open up your Bibles. Uh, you can also follow along on the Version Bible app. We'll have some of the scriptures. I'll probably throw some others in that won't be anywhere except in the book. Just give me a couple of minutes to change gears here. Romans 8. It's always helpful if I tell you where to turn to, isn't it? Yeah, so this is week three. If uh, this is the first time that you're joining us and you wonder what on earth is happening, um, and Simon sends his regards, says hello. He has a weekend off with the family this weekend. That's why you've got me. Um, and we continue. We're week three, emotionally uh, healthy spirituality. You can go back, and I would encourage you to go back and watch the first two weeks' messages. Don't know you about you, but um, been incredibly challenged by them. Um, and encouraged um, in, in what Simon has shared. Um, and so we're running this course, an eight-week course, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, running it on Sunday afternoon, we're running it on Tuesday night, um, and the people that are participating in that, they've got a workbook, and we're watching some videos from Pete Scazzero, who uh, put this course together, um, and discovering more about ourselves and about God in that. And then we also wanted to couple that with teaching on a Sunday morning so that we as a church body could actually go through um, the same process at the same time and grow in our awareness and our understanding of what it is to be emotionally and spiritually mature. Um, and to be, to be mindful that it's not just um, an earthly process of self-discovery for self-discovery's sake. Like, I am not a fan of being introspective just to get to know more about myself for the sake of it. And someone once said, nobody kind of spends more time just getting to know themselves for the sake of it and comes out a better person. But the whole goal of emotionally healthy spirituality, and actually the goal of being a disciple of Jesus, is that as we get to know who we are and what we're like as children of God, we would actually get to know God more. And in doing that, we could actually reflect his kindness and his likeness to the world around us and um, introduce him to the world around us more and more, as we know him more. So today, um, is the, the theme for, going, uh, for emotionally healthy spirituality is going back to go forward. Um, in some ways, maybe not, the, I kind of consider it one of the trickiest weeks one of the most challenging weeks, perhaps, for emotionally healthy spirituality. Um, and our, our subtitle, I guess, is um, Removing the Power of Our Past. All of us are, in some way, shape or form, to different extents, a product in this moment of everything from our past. And some of us have complete, joy-filled, pain-free pasts. Is there anybody that has not experienced any pain or heartache or tribulation in their life at all? No hands. That's, wow, I'm so surprised. Either that or there's a few and they're like, nobody else is putting their hand up. I don't want to be the odd one out. My life's been fantastic. Um, but no, we have all, I would say we've all experienced pain or heartache in some way, shape or form at some point in our lives. And coupled with the good, the bad, and everything in between in our lives, that all goes towards making us who we are and what we are like today. 
I was going to use um, some different illustrations, examples. Last time I made coffee, and that was a real hit. Um, sorry, not today. Uh, Simon talked about the movie Inside Out, so I thought, well, I can't do a movie illustration because he's used that. Um, did you, have you watched Inside Out yet? You should go and watch it. Um, Simon went home and watched it that day, actually. I'm dobbing him in now. Uh, but it is a very good movie and, and a light-hearted look at emotions and how we, all emotions are actually healthy. It's what we do with them that makes a difference. And then I thought about having a golf illustration, but I thought, well, Simon used that as well, and I'd probably have as much chance as he would if I tried to hit a golf ball in here. That would not be pretty because in golf, it's, you know, the backswing is just as important as, the, as, as your follow-through. And... But I left that all alone. I just thought, well, I'll just come with the word and we'll do that. So here we are with the word. I, um, I, I don't think it would be any revelation to say that who we are and what we're like in this moment is a complete sum of everything that we've, gone, that it, that we've endured up to this point. Where it gets really interesting, though, when you can kind of feel the air getting sucked out of the room is when we start to talk about the other impacts on our lives that we might not be aware of. Or maybe we're aware of them, but we don't want to deal with them or we don't want to name them or we don't want to actually bring them out into the light and say, actually, this is an issue in my life. Or I'm like this because of A, B and C. Especially when A, B and C might actually be our parents or our grandparents or our family or, or friends that we've had for a very long time. And especially in church world, if they're people that we're still doing life and relationships with today. And especially in a church like Horsham Church of Christ, where for a very long time it was just one big happy family. Like literally everybody was related. <laughs> think I'm joking. We'll draw you the family tree later on. I'm right, aren't I? Yes. <laughs> when everybody knows everybody and everybody's related to everybody. So what do you do then if you say, I actually, I, I operate in my life in this way because of the pain and the heartache that this person caused me. Now, I know that I'm using a very specific example of how our lives are impacted in this moment. But for me, I couldn't actually, I found it hard to move on from this aspect of going back to go forward. Is that the pain that we, or how we live out now, and Simon talked about the expression, it is what it is last week. And this is kind of part B to is, it is what it is. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that expression this week from other people. <laughs> it was, don't, don't mess me up, man. But when we have an aspect of our lives that is the way it is because of pain, heartache, trial, tribulation, suffering, disconnection that we've endured from other people that we are close to in our lives, and then we're in a church context where the people in our wider circle know those people, that can be a real challenge to actually bring that out into the light and say, this is the problem in my life. Oh, this is, this here, this pain, this issue is causing me pain here. And to bring it out and say, I need to deal with this. So I just, as, as a leader in this church, I just want to say, let us as a church family, okay, a little less related than once we were, but still brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'll get to that again in a minute. As brothers and sisters in Christ, 
Let this be a safe place for people to actually say, hey, do you know what? This is what's going on in my life. This is the pain, the heartache, the hardship I'm enduring. And I figured out it's because of this with my family, this with my parents, this with my siblings, this with my grandparents from years ago. And let us make a commitment that we would actually hold that sharing with confidentiality and a sense of privilege that somebody would actually trust us and say, do you know what, this is a big deal in my life and I need to deal with this. And that we would actually, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, trust or create a place where those people could trust us to talk about that without actually having to go and talk about it with anybody else. Does that make sense? Can we be together in this, that we can actually be a safe place as the children of God? That Pamela could come to me and she could talk about Leone. I had to pick somebody you were related. I'm so sorry. I haven't really thought this through, have I? That works for you? Good. Thank you so much. Help me, Jesus. She hasn't talked about you, Leone. Okay, just, just wanted you to know. She'd come and talk to you. That's why I thought it was a safe bet. And Pamela could talk to me and say, do you know what? There's this issue in my life that's causing me stress, that, that is causing me to not operate to my fullest possible extent that God would have me operate or live out the life that God has called me to live. And it goes back, and it's because of this issue with Leone. And that Pamela could actually trust me to keep my mouth shut. Can, can we do that as a people of God? And before I talked about the brothers and sisters in Christ, so Pam, Pam and I are not related, except for the fact that we are one in the blood of Christ. We are brother and sister in Christ. Narelle and I, we are related. We are husband and wife. But one of the most profound things that I think has helped me in any, in any relationship, not just in my family, any relationship, that if any of you have a problem with me, I know, I know. It'd be, it's, it takes a lot of imagination to think that somebody would have a problem with me. It happens. <laughs> if you would have a problem with me, first and foremost, let us relate as brother and sister in Christ. Because if we relate as brother and sister in Christ, we can overcome anything. Because then I'm not looking to be on the same page with you about anything else, save that Jesus is our Lord and Saviour. And with that in mind, I feel like we can do anything. We can work through anything. And Jesus said, if two or three get together in my name and agree on anything, so shall it be. So if we come together and we've got a problem, but we start by acknowledging that we are brother and sister in Christ, and then we find understanding, and then we move on to agreement and reconciliation and healing and forgiveness, we can do all that because we are one in Christ. Amen? Amen. That was, yeah, all right, that was the introduction. Romans 8. I love Romans 8. I love Romans. If you haven't read Romans, it's Paul's version of the gospel. 16 chapters, he writes to the growing, emerging church, um, the early church in Rome, not quite on the verge of um, widespread persecution as they were under the rule of Nero, but it was kind of heading in that way. Um, suffering some trial and tribulation. I don't know why I always say, I'm thinking out loud, trial and tribulation together, they just go so well together. Um, anyway, what do we got? Romans 8, verse 31. 
What then shall we say in response to this? We're going to come back to that in a second. If God is for us, who can be against us? So good, isn't it? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Mm. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I would hazard a guess that most of us haven't faced most of those. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered, quoting the psalmist there. And then most of us would have this as a bookmark or a magnet at some time or another. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's kind of like the rally cry of Christians everywhere, isn't it? We're more than conquerors. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that good news? Mm, I love it. I love it. You could just sit there and meditate on that word and hold on to the promises that we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, as Paul declares them in this letter. What strikes me is what's missing from the list. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you might say, well, Jared, nothing's missing. I mean, quite clearly it says, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Awesome. The one thing that I don't know that's necessarily my idea that stands out, neither the present nor the future, your past is not listed in this passage. And for a lot of people... It's our past that will actually hold us back to step from stepping into the fullness of all that God has to give us. And you say, Jared, how does that happen? How does our past hold us back? For some, our past actually stops us and prevents us from stepping into the fullness and receiving the fullness of the new life that we could have as a child of God through Jesus Christ. We say, well, surely, you know, Jesus, okay, he died on the cross for everybody. I, I know that. And through his stripes, we are healed. I know that. But, you know, there was this thing that I did when I was younger and like I didn't know Jesus then. So I probably, you know, probably that doesn't count. Probably his death and resurrection probably doesn't cover that, does it? Or I used to think like this, or I used to be involved with these people. And surely, surely, you know, Jesus wouldn't actually mean that. But he does. He does. But we're the ones that we can actually cycle over these excuses and these reasons and these um, historical meanderings about our life in the past. And the other reason I think that that Paul doesn't mention the past here 
is because to an extent your past is obliterated when you're a new creation in God. Because Jesus establishes a covenant where he says, by my stripes you are healed. And so when we share in the cup and and the bread every week, it's not just what we're going through this symbolic motion of sharing in communion each week, but it's the fact that as brothers and sisters in Christ, his blood washes us clean in our entirety. He's not putting down lay-by. He's not making a part payment. He washes us clean for everything that we'll actually bring to him and surrender to him in its fullness. And so Jesus, in his kindness and his goodness, in his righteousness, God in his provision and his heavenly wisdom and his love for all of us, says, I am absolutely ready to heal, to reconcile, to wipe out, to blot out anything in your life, if only you will surrender it to me. And for some reason, sometimes it's because we don't know, sometimes because we don't actually know how to let go, sometimes it's because we think that the pain that we're holding on to is way more comfortable than the pain or what is to come on the other, on the other side of letting go. Now, I'm, I'm, no tra- I'm not a trained counsellor, but in my conversations over the years, I, I really think this is what happens. The pain that I'm holding on to, I know this. I know what this feels like. I know why I'm holding on to this pain. I don't know what's on the other side of me letting go of this pain. So I'm going to hold on to this pain. Do you know how much... Physical pain is caused because of emotional damage. How much physical pain is caused? Like, I'm not making a blanket statement saying if you're in physical pain, it's because you're emotionally traumatised. Please hear me. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying what I've seen and, and read, not just me, but the experts who deal with this stuff. Talk about the physical impact on our bodies from long-held emotional pain and damage. Can, can you please hear me? I'm, I want to be super clear. I'm not accusing anybody who's suffering pain right now that this is your fault or your problem. Please hear me. I'm just trying to highlight one of the issues that we deal with. And, we, and this happens in church. We hold on to our past, not sure that we can, I I think, not sure that we can completely trust Jesus to adequately deal with the pain and suffering that we've been through. And sometimes we're not necessarily sure of the entirety of the pain. We might have blocked it out. We don't know how it's actually fully, completely impacting us in our lives today. And sometimes we're just not really sure on what's on the other side. But Jesus makes us a new creation. Let's go back earlier in Romans 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit are sons, children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship or the spirit of adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. 
And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are adopted into his family and become one of his and can receive his love, his grace, and his healing, not just for some aspects of our lives, but for the entirety of our lives, including any pain, any suffering, any wounds, any trauma. And again, I want to be super clear. I know there's some, some pain, some trauma, some abuse that may take years for healing, that may take the wisdom of expert guidance through counselling, through psychiatrists. Please hear me. But it starts with us actually saying, this is the issue in my life. This is the pain. This is the impact that it's having on me in here, in the here and now. This is, this is the deeper extension of it is what it is. And so you might be thinking, okay, how, can, how, how do I know that this is playing out in my life? I think there's numerous, there is numerous ways that this impacts us in here and now. If, you, if we don't participate in something, if our first thought when there's an opportunity that arises or when we need to do something, if we respond out of fear, then there's a moment of pain in our lives that we need to go back and deal with. Let me read it again. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship or of adoption. By him we cry, Abba, Father. If I respond out of fear, if I respond out of trembling in any situation, like if I've got to make a phone call and I get fearful because I have to make a phone call, if I'm going to visit family and I'm fearful of spending time with the family, then there's pain in my life that's having an impact on the here and now. And until I'm willing to go back, I won't be able to move forward in the fullness of all that God has in store for me. And th this will be different for everybody. It's not the same for all of us. But it is an important work that we need to do in, in order to step into our full identity as children of God. And when we do that, the world around us gains a deeper, more fuller revelation of who God is and what he's like. We, all of us operate with a code book. You might think, what, what kind of code book? We all interpret different things in different ways based on everything that we've experienced up until now. Like, all right, what do you mean? Okay, if I do this... For some of you, you might have an emotional, psychological reaction just me doing that. Because you might have grown up with somebody in your life that spent their whole time doing this. Or that's how they showed disregard for you. Or even something as small as if you're in a conversation and somebody goes, Oh, that hit a nerve. And so we, 
We have a code book that says when somebody's got their arms folded, I'm in conversation with them, they don't care about me. Now, I fold my arms because it's comfortable. And I've heard somebody, some psychologists say it's, it's actually uh, giving yourself a hug. Did you know that? Folding your arms is giving yourself a hug. I never knew that. I'm not sure if I feel better or worse now. Sometimes I might stand up here and just give myself a hug the whole time. I'm fine. I really am fine. And sometimes I, I just have a sigh, just catching my breath. But if you grew up thinking that this was disregard or somebody sighing was, I don't want to hear what you have to say anymore, you're going to bring that interpretation into the entirety of your lives. And so then you come to church on a Sunday and the guy up the front standing there with his arms folded or you're having a conversation with him over coffee afterwards and he's standing with his arms folded and then he lets out a big sigh. Well, that man of the Lord doesn't care about me. I'm not going back there anymore. I'm not joking, am I? Like, it might be different for you. It might be like there is no positive role of the eyes. Let's be honest. You can't do that and misinterpret a role of the eyes. Like, that's just complete disgust out and out. Nobody does that and thinks, I'm really happy. And I don't know what it might be for you because we've all had different upbringing. I think what stands out for, for me, um, this is a little bit different for Codebook, but it, it speaks to how our past shapes our present and, and impact our future is that uh, growing up, one of the measures of, of discipline was the silent treatment. And that's just, that's how we operate. Hated it, absolutely hated it. But that was some of the discipline that we received. Um, this was back in the days when, you know, the cane was still used, which makes me sound really old. Um, so the silent treatment was what I grew up with knowing as discipline. So I'm like, all right, discipline, punishment equals silent treatment. What did I bring into my family? What did I bring into my marriage? The silent treatment. Because that was the norm for me. That's what I knew. And so if Narelle was naughty... <laughs> once. <laughs> I'm in trouble. If, no. If Narelle and I disagreed, if I wasn't happy with Narelle... I didn't reason it out. I didn't know then what I know now and go, do you know what? First and foremost, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Babe, let's talk it out. Let's get on the same page here. I can see you're not happy. What's going on? No, no, no. I used the tool that I had in my toolkit. And that was the silent treatment. You've upset me. Here's the silent treatment. Until you can see the error of your ways and you come back and apologise. Now, no prizes for guessing who's more likely to be in the wrong in that situation. Really. I am a work in progress. But that's what I had, because that's what I knew. And until I got to the point, and I realised, actually, I'm treating my wife in the way that I don't like to be treated. And the reason that I'm doing that is because of how I was treated, because that's what was used on me. Until I went back in my past and dealt with the pain... I couldn't actually work on it in the present to create a better future. And what I want you to hear in this as well, mum and dad, hello, if you're watching as well, this will be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll get a text. <laughs> 
I'm just thinking out loud this morning. I'm so sorry. Is I'm not going back and saying, mum and dad, absolutely horrible people, spawn of Satan. They were the worst because they gave me the silent treatment. That's not, that's not it. So, and I'm going back and going, mum and dad gave me the silent treatment. That's, that's how they operated. Mum and dad, awesome parents. Sacrificial, loving, gracious, did the best they could with what they had. And not in a derogatory, demeaning sense whatsoever at all do I say that. Mum and dad, heart of gold. Use the silent treatment because that's what they knew. That's what they worked out. Potentially, I don't know, hazarding a guess, maybe that's what was used for them. Well, that's, that's what worked. I mean, imagine me growing up. Heaven's above. I'd find any way of discipline that would sort me out. So I'm not going back to go, do you know what? I want to deal with those people. They were the worst. I'm going to make them pay for what they did to hurt me and damage me. There might be consequences. There might be um, conversations. There might be actions that need to be taken, depending on the pain, the hurt, whatever it might be. I know I'm keeping it very light in this example. There might be. I'm going back to deal with the point of pain in my life that caused me to operate the way that I was in this moment. Does that make sense? I'm not looking to take people out. Because, first and foremost, remember, mum and dad and me, brothers and sisters in Christ. So even while I deal with my pain, even if it means I've got to have difficult conversations with my parents, go, this is how this impacted who I am today. Can we talk about it? I still want the very best for them because, first and foremost, they're my mum and dad. They're my mother and father. And then I want to honour them, but also because they're my brother and sister in Christ. How could I not want the best for them? And as I've worked through different things in in my life, because I am not perfect, And I interact with people and engage with people and sort out my mess and my stuff. So many times, the other person I was engaging with was sorting out their mess and their stuff as well. And was operating from a point of pain or self-protection or figuring it all out at the same time. I I could not tell you in, in moments that I've had where I've had a disagreement with somebody in my life that they've just been out to get me. Maybe you've had that, and I'm sorry if that's the case. But for the most part, where I've had a pain or a disagreement or disagreement, disconnection with somebody in my life, it's because they've been working through their pain, their heartache, their trauma, their whatever it might be in their own life. So as we, as we go back... in our past, we're not looking to make enemies. We're not looking to call down fire from heaven on our enemies. We're not looking at our enemies. We're actually looking to experience the love and the grace and the mercy of Christ who has died. And as Paul said, even more than that, who rose from the dead, to experience his love and grace and mercy in every area of life, in every relationship. 
And I, I, I really want to be super clear. I know we've kind of used lighthearted examples. I know some of us in this room have faced pain, abuse, trauma beyond description and probably don't even want to talk about it or mention with anybody in this room. And if that's you and maybe you know that and you're working through that and we bless you in that and be praying for God's wisdom and protection for the people that are with you in that. Maybe you don't know that. Maybe God will um, reveal something to you in that or help you work through that. And I just encourage, if that's you, to seek professional help. To go to somebody you know and trust that can help guide you through that process because we are not meant to do this alone. My preference is for Christian counsellors, Christian psychiatrists. They are in our community and do a power of work. But in all of this, we, needed to, we need to be guided by Holy Spirit because he's the one that actually is communing with our spirit, reminding us that we are adopted by our Father in heaven. And he doesn't actually ask us to do anything that he doesn't enable and empower. He doesn't say, oh, you're my kids. Go on, uh, figure it out. You're on your own. All the best. Let me know how it goes when you meet me in heaven. No, no, no. He is communing and guiding us with his Holy Spirit and saying, you are my children. I see, as Paul lists, I see the trouble, the hardship, the persecution, the famine, the nakedness, the danger, the sword. I see the death, the life, the angels, the demons, the present, the future, the powers, the heights, the depths, and everything else in all of creation that actually comes at you to prevent you from being my child in your fullness and entirety. And so I'm going to send the comforter and the counsellor to be one with you and to commune with your spirit as constant communion, constant connection and conversation so you can actually learn what it is to be my child. He is that good. He's that good. I was going to... This is really... You know the, do you know the... I don't know where it is, the verse that talks about he turns down my morning into dancing. This quote by Seth... Does anybody... I don't know where it is. Never mind. This quote by Seth Dahl, who's a children's pastor... If we won't mourn when we need to, how can he turn it into dancing? If we won't mourn when we need to, how can we turn it into dancing? Oh, wow. We actually need to come before God and say, here's my pain. I don't know what to do with it except to surrender it to you. And God, in his love... And his compassion, and through his son Jesus, says, okay, I can heal that wound. Let's turn the morning into dancing. There are a few problems in life that are fixed by dancing. If you just find the right music, turn it on loud and dance, you'll feel better. Trust me. You might look like an idiot, but you'll feel better. That will do. Let's stand. Let's stand together. Sorry, that's a terrible way to end a message, but that's where we're at.
You okay? Okay. Would anybody say no if you weren't okay? No, it's okay, I'm sorry. Can we just close our eyes, bow our heads right where we are? And I just want to invite you as much as possible that you would just, um, however you might, just connect with Father, Son and Holy Spirit in this moment. God, you are good all the time and your love endures forever. Hmm. I just have a picture of... um, It's like liquid gold being poured over like a heart and the heart that was maybe fractured or or cold or rock hard is actually being warmed and softened as the heart encounters the love of God. Father, I pray for each and every person in this room, those watching online, those that will listen later on. I pray for our families that aren't in this room. I pray for... um, the people with whom we might have a fractured relationship that all of us together would experience your, your healing love, the power of reconciliation and spirit of forgiveness. Holy Spirit, would you reveal those points of pain in our past that are causing us to walk with a limp, so to speak, in our present. Hmm. Holy Spirit, would you show us a way to move forward, to receive your healing, the steps that we might need to take to be fully saved, healed and delivered. Father God, help us to turn mourning into dancing. Help us to know what it is when you take our sorrow and turn it into joy. Most of all, let us look at one another as brothers and sisters in Christ with you as our perfect loving Father.